0: I am so glad to be here this morning and I am glad you are here. It's a beautiful day uh, today. Thank you for, uh, for coming. Um, I am glad when I don't preach to the pews. <laughs> um, so my name is David. I have the privilege, the great privilege of bringing you the, the word of God this morning. As you know, our pastor is on Sabbatical, and um, some of us, many of us, pitching together um, to bring the word to you to do what's need to be done here until he comes back. Um, today, as you know, we we were studying a series of messages um, on the minor prophets. Um, today, we are going to conclude this series. Um, and my minor prophet of choice is Jonah. Um, I have chosen Jonah because it is um, a prophet that is well known by many, even birds in the sky knows about um, the story in the book of Jonah. The lowest of children know about uh, um, this story. So We are going to dive in this story today to see what's in it for us today. Um, Before we do that, allow me to pray, please. Dear Heavenly Father, we present to you today to worship you and to listen to you speaking to us. Lord, we know sometimes even though we don't see it, feel it, but you are constantly at work. We are conscious and convinced that you have a special word for each and every one of us this morning. Um, As we get in ready, prepare our hearts to listen to your word, I pray that your Holy Spirit will take control because it is possible that our mind will be going here and there, thinking of things that we should be doing at this time, rather than focusing on what you are doing here at this very moment. We thank you for the privilege of being here. We thank you uh, for your provision this morning through your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, in terms of background information for you this morning... Jonah exercised his ministry um, in 8th century BC when Jeroboam was Jeroboam II, I should say, was a king um, in the kingdom uh, of Israel. So, if he ministered during that time, it means that he is not a fictional character. So the story that we read in the book of Jonah really took uh, place. So Jonah received a special message from God to preach to a specific people. The target audience was the people of Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital city of the Assyrian Empire. So it was located in the area of Baghdad, Iraq, Syria, in those areas. It was not far from Israel. So God wanted Jonah to bring his message to these people because of their arrogance, their ungodliness. They were a mighty um, empire military might um, there were adult worshippers their brutality was known all around so they used to skin the captive alive they, you know they went on a battle with nations And then they captured people and then they skinned them in order to scare their their adversaries. They were brutal people. They were a big threat to Israel. And you can imagine the Israelites hated them. And Jonah was one of the haters. So... Funny coincidence, Jonah hated these people, and God called Jonah, commissioned them with a specific message to go to talk to these people. So, in Jonah chapter 1, verse 1, we read that the word... Of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amatai. I don't know how to pronounce this word. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. Because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish he went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for the port. After paying the fare, he went on board and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Jonah's commission, his call was, both an assignment, a simple assignment, like a reassignment, but it was also a comment because God called him and said, Go. He definitely wanted Jonah to go to Nineveh and preach that message to them. It was a worthy call, I want to say, um, for someone to be commissioned and to be assigned to carry God's message, it, it's, it's a big deal. Jonah was to bring that message of repentance to the people of Nineveh because they did not worship the will of God. But unfortunately, Jonah instantly rejected that message um, that assignment or that comment from from god at, as we saw in um in verse two he tried to hide, but the big question is who who can really hide from god um, in psalm one thirty nine verse seven onward it says Where can I go? This is the psalmist speaking in Psalm 139. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I go in the depth of of the rivers, of, of the oceans you are there. So the psalmist in the psalm is talking about there is, there is nowhere we can go to hide from God's presence. But Jonah thought that he could, he could do that. He could hide from, from God's presence. So what he did, I don't want to read the entire book because it will take the The whole morning to do that. So as we read through um, the first chapter, we see that Jonah took away. He ran away from God. At least he tried. So he boarded that boat. And then we read in verse 4 that while he was on board, God sent a great wind on the sea. Such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. And as we continue to read on those other verses, we see there was discussion between the sailors. They're trying to find out what happened. Who's responsible for, for this calamity, for, for this situation. And finally, the captain went down in the boat somewhere. They found Jonah resting peacefully. They couldn't believe it while everyone was very afraid and scared, and Jonah was peacefully laying down somewhere in the ship. So they started questioning Jonah, and at that point, the sea was getting warfare and warfare, so they asked him, do you know what's going on? And at some point, Jonah told them that, I am a servant of the Most High. I am a servant of God, the God of Israel. He commissioned me to go and do a special work, and I am fleeing from his presence. And Jonah says, I am pretty sure that I am responsible for this situation. And at that point, in verse 11 we see that they, they, the sea was getting warfare and warfare, and they asked Jonah, what should we do then to you to make the sea come down? And as you know, Jonah did not want to go and bring that message to, to the Ninevites. And then he told the sailors, all you have to do is pick me up Throw me into the sea, and everything will come down. For I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you guys. And then they threw him overboard. So I was thinking about this, this portion of of. of of, uh, 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 of the chapter, and and, and I see what, was Jonah committing suicide or something, just to not go and share that message to to these people, or he wanted to save the sailors' life. We do not know because the Bible doesn't say so. But I said, "Throw me in the water, and everything will be all right." And then they did. But you know something? Jonah couldn't hide from God. In verse 17, the same chapter, it says, Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Church... God will use any means at his disposal to achieve his goals. So Jonah tries to hide, but he could not. And even by being thrown into the river, into the sea, into the ocean, he still couldn't hide. Maybe at that point when he said, threw me overboard, he thought that he just got away and then the people would We're not going to get the message. But God knows better. So what captures my attention, as I said earlier, is that it seems that Jonah had preferred to die than to go to preach to the Ninevites. He said, pick me up, throw me in the sea, and all will be well. But despite his disobedience, we can see that Jonah was a disobedient um, prophet, but he was not um, a false prophet. Because when he was thrown into the water, swallowed by the fish, Jonah realized that he was still alive. And Jonah couldn't believe how come he's swallowed by this beast and then still alive. And then he came to the conclusion that God, even though he was fleeing from God, even though he was in total disobedience, God was still is merciful towards him. And then at that point... In chapter 2, Jonah started praying inside of the fish. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to, to the Lord, his God. He said, in my distress, I call to the Lord and he answered me. And then we continue reading in verse 6. He said, to the root of the mountain, I sank down, but you brought me, you brought my life up from the pit. So Jonah realizes that even inside the fish, God was still in control. And he came to the conclusion that this God, I should not disobey him. And I am willing and I am ready if I get a second chance. To obey him. So Jonah was grateful to be alive. He was then willing to follow God's calling if God was willing to give him a second chance. But the thing is, despite his willingness to, to obey God, to go perhaps to share the message this time, we, we don't see any sign that Jonah is compassionate towards the Ninevites. He's willing to obey God. Okay, I'm going to do whatever you say. But his heart was still hardened for, for these people. And God, in his mercy, in his compassion, heard the cry of Jonah's heart, and he commended in verse ten. And the Lord commended the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Wow! So. God could have chosen to, to order, to command the fish, to, uh, to vomit Jonah in Nineveh, where he wanted him. But he didn't do that. Jonah was vomited exactly where he came from, where God commanded him at the first place to go to Nineveh. Maybe God wanted him to think about it. The decision he has made, maybe to be more careful next time. I don't know. But he was vomited, and now he's ready to to go. So in chapter 3, we read that God recommissioned him. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. And Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city proclaiming that message the message of deliverance the message of compassion that he was entrusted by God in verse 11 chapter 3 Jonah began to to preach to the people and he said 40 more days Maybe with this tone of voice, I don't know. 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. And that was it. Whoa. Verse 5, the Ninevites believed God, and a fast was proclaimed, and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth when Jonah warning reached the king of Nineveh he rose from his throne took off his royal robes covered himself with sackcloth sackcloth and sat down in the dust this is the proclamation he issued to Nineveh By the decree of the king and his nobles, the king telling the people, do not let people or animal or herds or flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let the people and animal be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may, may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. I don't know if you follow closely. Jonah accepted to go and preach to the Ninevites. But you can see in his message, there was something in his heart. He still hated these people. He still did not want them to receive God's compassion. Jonah, in his message, only said, 40 more days, Nineveh will be no more. Nineveh will be overthrown. So it was a way for the people to maybe reject the message. But you know what happened? They believed. They put their trust in the message. And even the king commanded the people to go on a fast so that God can turn his face towards them. And when God Saw their willingness. He saw their hearts. He turned from when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways. He relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Everyone repented from the entire city. The king of Nineveh declared a national fast for all the people to get on their knees and pray, give up food and and water and everything so that God can have mercy on them. Even animals participate in the purification So what this message says to us is that God God's heart is melted when we go to him, when we repent, when we recognize our wrongdoing. He's ready to forgive us. He spared the entire city, and this is exactly what Jonah did not want. In chapter four, verse one on what we read, Jonah was, seemed to be very wrong. And he became so angry when he learned, when he saw, he witnessed that the people accepted the message. He became very angry. And then at that point, he prayed to God again. And then he said the following, Isn't it this what I said, Lord, when I was still home? That is what I tried to, to foster <laughs> by fleeing to Tarsus. I, I, I didn't want to do this. I didn't want them to, to obey I knew that you are gracious and compassionate, God. You are slow to anger and you are bounding in love. A God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, Jonah says, take away my life, for it is better for me to die Than to live. Wow! How can Jonah, he should know better, uh, a prophet, huh? He is allowing a situation because he hated the people. How does he allow his heart to be so hardened? He would rather die than than to live, And he says it. This is clearly why I refuse to go in the first place. Because I know you are a gracious God. I know you are a compassionate God. So Jonah's religious exclusiveness makes him blind, we want to say, he became selfish and even ridiculous that he will reach that point, fighting with God to not save an entire city. And we see that in his message as well, just the way he presented it. Hey, I want you guys to know in 40 days, you will be no more, you will be destroyed. And then that's it. Such... An ambiguous message. But God is so good, the people listen to the message, they obey, and he delivered them. God is on a mission to save people, and it is not new. It did not start with Jonah. God ceaselessly called out to people to carry his message, his message of salvation. He called Abraham, as as we know it. He called Moses, Jeremiah, Isaiah, David, king of Israel, and until Jesus. And he did not stop there. Jesus himself passed it on to his disciples. And the disciples are no longer with us, and we are part of the people, part of the pool of people that God calls to carry his message of salvation. God appoints people from the very beginning, and he continues to do that, and it includes you and I. In Matthew uh, chapter 28, verse 18, to continue, when Jesus was ready to, to go back to heaven, he called the disciples and, and he told them, See if I can find it to, to read it for you. One sec, please. It seems I don't know my Bible. I take a long time to find this. Matthew chapter 28, 18 to 20. I am going to read. And this is what we call the Great Commission. So Jesus was getting ready to go back to his father at the end of his earthly ministry. He said this to the disciple. It was the 11 at the time. Then the 11 disciples went um, to, this is 16, I want to read 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, to the very end of this age. So this is Jesus commissioning the disciples to carry this message of compassion that God has entrusted to Jonah. So you and I are responsible to carry this message today. So like Jonah, I do not know how we disobey God by not bringing or sharing that message today. I am going to share with you quickly a conversation I, I had with my children when they were a little bit younger. Um, one day we sat down on, on our dinner table. We, were, we were eating and, um, and then we were having a conversation. For some reason, I started talking to them about baptism. And, um, and telling them what baptism is, why we do it in church, and what's the meaning behind that. And one of them at the time said to me, um, they said, They have no intention whatsoever to get baptized anytime soon. And then I said, why? And they started to expand, saying that, do you know what baptism is? Um, When you plunge in the water of baptism, it means that you say, God, here I am, send me. So... That young child, very very young, started to disobey. I want to say to disobey God because they believe that if they get baptized, uh, 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 plunging in the water of baptism, bring them somewhat closer to God, and by being closer to God, by accepting His message, meaning. They are ready to go wherever God wants to bring that message to other people to represent Him. And and that child said, "Not me, I am not ready," Um, because that child been hearing on the news that people you know go in some countries of the world where they they got killed for their for their faith. Um, for being a Christian, and and that child said, "Not me. I am not going to get baptized. In fact, I am not ready to get baptized." Um, I do not know as I am sharing this um, this even this message with you, this story, what what comes to your mind, um. Are you thinking at all in a way that you disobey God? Because Jonah didn't want to go. He believed in God. He was a prophet, someone very close to God, someone who received a special message to bring God's message of salvation and compassion to our people. But he chose not to do it, my question to you and to us this morning in what way do you disobey God? I know you may not have a people like Jonah that you hate and you are afraid to bring them the message. Maybe they will kill you. Um, maybe that was part of Jonah's excuses. These people were brutal. And there were neighbors to his country. At any time, they could just go and and kill them. Maybe his disobedience had had a basis. I don't know. But the question to you and I this morning, in what way do we disobey to God? Do we have, do you have a Ninevite or some Ninevites in your life? Today, Do you care at all about this message of salvation that you have received? Do you worry at all about God's mission to save the lost? And do you know, are you aware that Jesus counts on you to carry, and to share this message. I think you and I need to take some time, to take a minute to think about this. We have brothers and sisters around the world getting killed for their faith because they are Christian, because they are sharing their faith to other people. It's happened in China, in Afghanistan, in in Iran, um, in many other Muslim states, for instance. But you know, despite the persecution they are faced, they still proclaim this message. But here, in the West, we, we are so comfortable. We have all sorts of excuses to not share this message. We are afraid that if we share with, with our friends, with our neighbors, maybe it's, it's, it will get weird. Um, maybe that can destroy our relationships. Um, Or maybe they will think we are out of our mind. Or we just don't want to go there at all because it's not my responsibility. I am am not a prophet. You are not a missionary. You are not a pastor. But... I want to remind you this morning, remind us that there is no Jonah today, there is no Jeremiah, there is no Isaiah. If we do not share this message, the people who need Jesus will not maybe hear of this message. Although we know Jesus can find way, God can find all means to reach out to his people, but he definitely count on you and I to to do this. I am going to share with you a shameful story to close. Not too long ago, I, myself, and a few neighbors, um, we we were building our fences, and we were working together. Um, It was like four five of us, five uh, five houses, we purchased the same material and we were building uh, our fences. We didn't want to pay to do that, actually. Um, And we were working together, we started with the first home and the second, third and so on and so forth. Given that we, most of us work during the weekdays, so we work on Saturday and Sundays. And I did not work on Sunday because Sunday I have to be here. This is my Sabbath, and I work in church, so I couldn't work with them on Sunday. But I simply said to the neighbors that, oh, I am sorry, I, I, cannot, do, uh, I cannot do Sundays. And then they said, okay, we'll continue to work, and uh, you'll do Saturday and, and then after that, I get thinking about what I said to the neighbors. I said, why did I not tell them that the reason I cannot work on Sunday is because I am a Christian, I go to church, and, and maybe that will lead to something they would maybe want to know more, and, uh, and I will tell them about my faith, and, and so on and so forth. But I simply said that, oh, guys, I, I, I cannot do Sundays, and then it stayed right there. They did not question me, and then I didn't say anything more. But on the, the underlying uh, 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 situation that happened there was that, I was a little bit concerned saying, but if, if I said, you know, I go to church or I am a Christian and da 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 da, da maybe what would they think? Would that disturb my relationship with them or blah-blah-blah-blah and excuses and excuses? So we do that a lot. We became just like Jonah. We became selfish. Even ridiculous, we receive a message of salvation. We see the difference it makes in our lives. We did not receive it to keep for ourselves. We need to tell someone, I am not telling you today to go and, and shovel it in somebody's throat. I am not saying you are in the bus or in the train or... In, you know, you, you stand at your fence and you call your neighbors over there and say, Hey, Deborah, if you don't accept Christ, you're going to go to hell. I'm, I am not telling you to, to do this. But you need to find a way to share this message with your neighbors, with, with the people in our city or around the world. Because people are suffering out there. We too are suffering, but the good news is that we have Jesus. And when we have Jesus, no matter the situation, he will carry us through. But many people are going through their difficulties without Jesus in our city, in our neighborhood, and even in our own families. We need to do something about it. So we need to reach out to these people, maybe we need, as a church, we need to sit down together and have a conversation. How are we gonna do that? But we need to stop being complacent. We need to stop being self-centered. To content with just come. Every Sunday, we get together, we sing praises, and we we have fellowship in the bag, and then we go, and then we cannot wait to come back on Sunday to do the same. And then 52 Sunday of the year, and then we start the other day. It just cannot be like that. We cannot. We need to be a church that share this good news. We need to be a church that shares this compassionate message that God entrusted us. We need to be a church that invites, at least invites someone to come. Maybe come sit here and then the Holy Spirit will do the rest. We need to be individuals that sees, that keep our eyes open to seize opportunities to witness. We cannot continue to be complacent because people are suffering. People need to hear this message. Just like Jonah, God is sending you. As you go today, you need to start thinking, who's the Ninevite? In your life, not Ninevite in terms of people you hate, but people, Ninevite, in terms of people who need to hear this message. This is my encouragement to you, encouragement to myself. We just cannot continue to be complacent. May God, in his great mercy, open your eyes and your hearts to share his message of Salvation, may God bless you this morning. Heavenly Father, we we thank you so much for for the provision you you have made this morning. Lord, we learn through your word that when a sinner repents, your heart melts. You are so merciful, you are so gracious. Lord, our desire is, is to follow your comment, is, is to go where you want to send us. But Lord, sometimes the enemy distracts us. We may have good intention, the desire to share this message, but sometimes we feel discouraged. We have all sorts of excuses. But Lord, you teach us that your word is, is, is compared to a seed that is planted. All the farmer needs to do is to plant the seed, and then you take care of the rest. And that's exactly what you expect of us, to just be able to share that message, to just tell someone. Maybe our story, our own personal story, how we we came to you. And then your Holy Spirit will do the rest, because... It's the Holy Spirit who softens the hearts. Lord, we thank you this morning. We pray that you, 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 you will encourage us, you will guide us, and we will be reminded that we were not saved just for the sake of being saved, but we, we were saved to also go and share this message. We thank you. We love you, Lord. In your son's name, I pray. Amen. As you go this morning, may God bless you. May he lead you. May he open your eyes to see opportunities that he places around you. And may he watch you.